Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Wake on up. Happy hump day. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, back in the saddle for another episode of The Winkly. And uh, our good friend Justin Labar, he is off. He is on vacation this week. So we have a week of special guest co-hosts. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome to the show today a fellow microphone jockey, a guy you've been seeing light up the internet with tons of big name pro wrestling interviews as of late. I believe it says in his Twitter profile he's won four Emmys or something like that. He is Chris Van Vliet. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Oh, Nick, thank you so much for having me on. If I, you know, these are big shoes to fill. Justin Labar has some big shoes, so I, I hope that I can, you know, at least kind of hold hold my own here well you know what they say about a man with big shoes yeah He's big feet big, that's right right big, big feet big opinions that's where i was going with it but you know it's all okay. the same that's well i have some of those as well so this will be perfect <laughs> wonderful so chris wait before i get to all the the plugging here on the show today and uh the news of the day you just launched your podcast is that correct all your interviews are now going to be an audio form for people to take in yeah my my podcast as we speak right now is 48 hours old I came up with the very original name, The Chris Van Vliet Show. Uh, mm. So it's on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and SoundCloud and everywhere you can find your podcast. But I just found that, you know, my interviews have been 30, 40, 50 minutes. And I get that to sit there and watch a YouTube channel for that length of time is a lot. So a lot of people were saying, hey, could you give us the audio version only of these interviews? And I said, sure, let's make it happen. Although, why wouldn't you want to look at me and my guest for 50 minutes? I just don't understand understand that well people you know chris i don't think i don't want you to take that personally i don't think it's a i don't think it's a commentary on your appearance it's just it's it's purely it's purely a functional thing some people just prefer to be on the go and it's hard you know you, you're looking at a screen you're walking down the street boom hit by a car you don't want that's that not on. my fault not my fault <laughs> that's not gonna be on you because now people could just take it in in, in audio form yeah, so obviously, you know, this is very, very new. Once again, it's two days old right now, but it's an option. So it's out there. Uh, I think I've got eight episodes of uh, eight of my most recent interviews on there. Uh, and I'm hoping to every time I put an interview on YouTube that the audio will be put up uh, same day or maybe next day. So, yeah, that's uh, that's an option. And uh, to everyone who has been checking that out and leaving reviews, uh, thank you. This has been awesome. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a great time to be a wrestling fan right now and i'm so excited to be able to do this yeah buddy like we were talking before we got on the air you know the wrestling business is good right now that means the wrestling journalism business is good it mean are you do you consider yourself a wrestling journalist or is that is that overstepping i don't know I, i've never really thought of myself in those terms but i guess a lot of people have labeled me as such hmm. i i believe i'm a broadcaster i'm a an interviewer and um, I don't know. I've, I've never, you know, I'm just a wrestling fan uh, that happens to be able to talk to some wrestlers and record it and put it on my YouTube channel. But if you want to call me a wrestling journalist, sure, I'm OK with that. <laughs> OK, well, uh, how, you know, I, I like doing a lot of interviews, too, for the site. You know, we source a lot of content that way. How do you pick the people you want to chat with, Chris? Uh, mostly it's people who will say yes to me. That's, mm. uh, that's where it begins. Um, <laughs> since I'm doing all my interviews in person, I'm looking for people that are, uh, if raw or SmackDown or ring of honor or impact is ha happens to be in the area, that's where I start. If there's a local independent show that's running and they have a big name, I'll do that. Uh, if someone's really big, like Rhino called me up and said, Hey, I'm leaving my WWE contract and I want to get set the record straight and have my side out there first. 
I hopped on a plane the next morning to Detroit and we made that happen. So it's, it's a combination of what's available and close and also a combination of, you know, what I think people would be interested in. Um, so I'm just kind of taking them as they come. And, uh, you know, I've been having a blast with it. My goal was to get 50 wrestling interviews this year. And I just uploaded my interview with Simon Miller from What Culture today. And I think that's interview 48. Like, it's, we're on a roll here. Oh, let's go. Well, you can take a couple months off now, right? Like, you don't, you don't <laughs> that's need to, right. you yeah. don't need to worry about it. I can just it. skip Fighter Fest this weekend. And, I, you know, Raw, or SmackDown's coming to Miami where sure. I live. I, who needs to go to that? Well, uh, I'm glad you, that's a good pivot for us here. You're, you're going to be at Fighter Fest this Saturday night? I'm going to be at Fighter Fest. Yeah, I'm heading there. Uh, it's about a four-hour drive from where I live. So, okay. yeah, I'm heading up there. All right. Well, I will be there, too. We're going to see each other. Oh, this is great. We're going to, Amazing. We're, we're going to share space. I'm coming with uh, my, my video jockey slash uh, other co-host, Michael Weissman. So we're going to share... We're going to share scrum space again. It's going to be wonderful. Perfect. I know. Well, this is amazing. Let's do it. Those AEW scrums are something else, aren't they? They're a, they're a pretty special thing. And I remember after the one we did at Double or Nothing, I turned to my producer slash cameraman Jamil and I said this would never happen in WWE and that's not a knock on WWE it's just WWE is very controlled on this person's going to do an interview and these other people are not the fact that AEW brought in their five or six biggest stars into a room full of journalists and said here you go you can talk to Tony Khan or the Bucks or Chris Jericho or, you know, uh, whoever, there's so many people in there. Dean Malenko. Uh, that, Dean, that was what was so wild. It was that one person just <laughs> grabbed me. They're like, hey, nobody's talking to Dean Malenko. And I was like, well, I will be that person then. Yeah, uh, it was it was such a, uh, an interesting, cool thing. Oh, How breaking... interesting was it that no one really broke kayfabe completely there? Like, I asked Chris Jarek, like, oh, what was the spot that, like, broke Kenny's nose? And he, like, took it legit, like. Oh, you know, it's it's we're in there. We're fighting each other. And I punched him in the effing nose. And I'm like, uh, OK, yeah, okay. it's not the answer I expected, but, but I get it. I like that. Like, it's kind of a continuation of what we saw in the ring. Yeah. I mean, and these guys are pros and that's why they're they're able to do it. And, you know, what was also cool about that scrum is like, how wild was it? Like just Mark Henry journalist. Right. Just. In yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the number one comment on all the videos I posted from that. Like, is that number one? Is that Mark Henry? And yeah. then number two, why is Mark Henry asking questions? And was number three in the Cody uh, interview. Mark Henry just kind of like just took over and just started asking questions. And <laughs> who are we to be like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Henry, it's my turn now. Yeah. Mark, you've asked four questions. All right. <laughs> like you usually I was get... just I was just sitting back as a fan in that moment being like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, this is great. How do you get how does it get better than sitting WWE employee Mark Henry asking Cody Rhodes about. Uh, the inequality issue of AEW. I mean, it's just like, all right, well, we're all spectators yeah. now. So, yeah. Well, we've got we've got a lot here, a lot more banter at the top than I expected. But you know, we sh- we shared some time together in the scrum, as we're talking about. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, we were talking about interviews here. Uh, we're going to talk the news here in just a second, but we have two big interviews here for you today as well. Uh, later on in the show, you're going to hear from Jeff Cobb. Uh, I got to chat with Jeff uh, all about his big ROH World Title opportunity. This Friday night, Ring of Honor, best in the world. He's going to be taking on Matt Taven. Uh, we'll also have live coverage going on the site of Best in the World as well. But very excited to, to release this one on you all out there. What a time for Jeff Cobb right now. Just a, a rocket on his back right now in Ring of Honor. Uh, and also later on in the show, you're going to hear from Conrad Thompson. I got to sit down and talk to Conrad all about the success of StarCast 2, what to expect from StarCast 3, some of the, the headaches he dealt with, 
uh, while booking StarCast 2. Uh, you guys are going to love that one as well, and that's kind of my loose tie-in to Fighter Fest this weekend as well, since, of course, uh, it's the Cody and a, a Conrad show, as he told us here, when StarCast and AEW get together. Uh, all right, let's get to it here. I got Chris riding side saddle. Here's some news you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. We're going to start off here uh, taking a look at some uh, some of the recent numbers involved in Monday Night Raw. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting Raw drew 3,500 people this past Monday at the Winds Arena in Everett, Wa- Washington. It was one of the smallest live crowds ever for Raw. This was the post-stomping grounds Raw. Also, worth noting that the Raw viewership was actually up a little bit, 1.8%. They averaged 2.275 million viewers, uh, according to Showbuzz Daily. Last week, they did 2.235, so they were up about you know, 1.8%. 1 so crowds down, viewership up a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to start here by setting that tone. Chris, what do you make of, of the low uh, attendance numbers and you know moderate uh, viewership numbers that WWE is pulling in at the moment? I, I think that people are making too big a deal of the uh, small attendance. It's basically been a couple shows. I think that if this was an ongoing trend over several different cities and several different regions and over several different months, then I think we'd have a much larger thing to talk about. There is so many factors that go into whether people attend a wrestling show or a baseball game or a hockey game or whatever, you know, live event you want to talk about, a concert, whatever it happens to be. Time of the year, weather factors in, uh, what other events are going on in the city, all of those things factor in here. And if this was something that was going on for months and months on end, I think we'd go, oh man, that's a problem. But I'm sure Raw's attendance will be back up to where it normally is next Monday. It will not be reported, I'm sure. And uh, it will just be, you know, par for the course and everything will be fine once again. Okay. Yeah. And how, how are you feeling about the WWE product right now, especially coming out of stomping grounds, the direction they're heading in, uh, going to extreme rules and into the summer? I think that WWE is about to pick up back again, as it always does around SummerSlam. I kind of, we're like in that WWE WrestleMania lull right now. And I think that if you were to look at the product now or you'd look at it any year over the course of the last maybe 20 or 30 years, there's always good things going on and there's always bad things going on. Uh, and if you, know, you want to focus on just the bad things, the product as a whole is probably going to look pretty bad. <laughs> there's also some really great stuff going on, too, though. Yeah, well, you know, it's decisions above the roster's pay grade, I feel like, that people have issues with. I mean, right, I mean, it's hard to argue. The roster right now isn't one of the greatest rosters WWE has ever had in their entire history. Everyone can work. Everyone is capable of putting on great matches. Um, but there is, like, this other decision that reportedly got made this week where Vince uh, has decided no more wrestling during commercials. And last night on SmackDown, they actually did two two-out-of-three falls matches. We got Miz and Elias. We also got Kofi and Dolph. It's a little jarring. Um, you know, especially for people that have watched the product for so long. But I'm also seeing a lot of fans on, on social media reacting kind of positively about this. I don't know what the long-term ramifications are for doing these kinds of matches all the time. Uh, but what do you think about the decision to make this a regular deal with these two out of three falls and, and an elimination-style matches? I always thought that two out of three falls matches were, like, something special. Like, yeah. and it was, like, with always done with, like, the great technical wrestlers. And there is no way they could continue to do this no. every single week. And if they do do this every single week, then, you know, any of the allure of a two out of three falls match completely disappears. Also, uh, after each fall and they go to commercial, does that mean there's, like, a, a break where the wrestlers get to, like, go back to their corners and reset? Like, sure. that's... That's not two out of three falls. That's not the two out of three falls matches that I grew up with. No. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I remember watching, you know, obviously during the Attitude Era and everything since then. 
wrestling didn't they didn't they didn't always like wrestle in the middle of commercial breaks. Why don't they just figure out what they used to do and continue to do that? Why can't WWE be treated in the same way as NFL or MLB or NHL or NBA, where just like they take commercial breaks when they can, rather than going, oh my God, it's nine fourteen, we need to hit the mark and take a commercial break right now. Yeah, well, and my other worry here too is when you're doing two to three falls matches. You're getting like, you know, essentially three short matches, right? And what does it say when wrestlers can start to be beaten in five, six minutes? You know what I mean? Yes. Re- regularly. I mean, I've, I've been saying the same thing about the 24 7 title. Stuff that would like normally barely get a two count somehow now wins a championship. <laughs> and same thing with the two out of three falls match. Like, really? That thing that happened after three minutes is going to count for a fall? You know, it just, it, it just, it, for me, doesn't really work. Well, but, and see, that gets back to, you know, the numbers and stuff. And like you said, too much is made of, of viewers and, and attended stuff. It's just, I, I like to go back to them every so often here because there has been a certain through line. I, I feel like there's some of the numbers here recently. And is it something here where, like, despite the roster, these decisions, like these two out of three falls matches all the time and the 24-7, I mean, they seem to be popping in the moment, but sustainability-wise. I mean, do you think these are things that are going to burn out and we're going to have to go in, in other new directions here that people may or may not like? What's our truth now? Like the nine-time champion? He is, is it yes. Nine? Mm-hmm. Nine-time? Yep. So, and we're a month into this run. So, if you and I have the same conversation at this time next year— is he going to be like the 126-time champion? Like, there's no way that they can continue on this pace. Yeah. It's fun and it's entertaining, but at the end of the day, why don't we just work on having, like, some really solid wrestling matches? Like that, I think that's what a lot of fans would love to see. Yeah, well, uh, something else I guess we're going to get to see here, or at least was teased. I don't know. You tell me if you think this is where they're going with this. A lot of people making hay about last night on SmackDown, there was, like, a kind of a moment that Mandy and Sonya Deville shared after she had, uh, Sonya defeated Ember Moon. Speculation here, maybe a, a romantic relationship between these two women. Is that the vibe you got from the little exchange and the hair move right there? That wasn't that wasn't the the vibe I immediately got. And then when I started seeing everything online, I'm like, yeah, I guess that could be the thing. <laughs> yes. And I also feel like I also feel like WWE sometimes goes, oh, that's what they think, and they either go, yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. That's that's what we meant all along. Or they go, oh, that's what they think. We're going to go the complete opposite way of this. But I will say it's nice to have two wrestlers who uh, can actually be friends in the storyline. Because it feels like every time that two wrestlers seem to be getting along, like immediately one has to turn on the other and it turns into a feud. So I'm happy that this is actually existing in the way that it is right now. Is this, you think this is good for WWE and the ratings and everything? If they do decide to do this, uh, you know, a, a lesbian relationship here or tease between Mandy and Sonya, is that what fans want right now? I think that if it's done right, uh, I don't think it matters if it's a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, whatever. I think if it's done right and it's, uh, you know, it's good writing and good storytelling, bring it on. Do you trust them to do that, though, Chris? Do you think that's what we would get here? Like poignant, depth, deep <laughs> commentary on the LGBT community? Yeah, I, I, I think that maybe if it was done subtly, which is not ha- often not been the case with these LGBT storylines like Billy and Chuck or HLA, if this was done subtly and we could just go, oh, yeah, two women love each other in the same way that a man and a woman love each other. I think we could go, yeah, that's that's cool. Who cares? Yeah, uh, well, we shall see. Uh, well, like, uh, we'll take a look here at the uh, the evolving Extreme Rules card here a bit. Uh, Kofi Kingston is going to be defending his WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. Joe recently just lost the United States Championship, seems to have bounced into this match against Kofi Kingston. 
Uh, it reminds me a lot of actually like what's going on with Jeff Cobb here at Best in the World this week. And, you know, he just dropped the TV title to Shane Taylor about a month ago. Yet here he is going up against Matt Tamer for the world championship. I mean, what do you what do you think we can glean from these moves that are being made right now uh, with who's getting to go for these top titles? Well, first of all, I loved Joe versus Ricochet. I thought that match was incredible. And in terms of just main roster matches, that was one of the best of the year. So now from Joe to go from losing the U.S. title to now being in the main event picture, I love it. And I think that AJ Styles and Samoa Joe in TNA, you know, we're talking 10 plus years ago, were both on the same level, both, you know, incredibly entertaining, both amazing in the ring. And I, I hope that this would continue to be a thing where we see Joe in the main event picture more often because I think that he's so insanely talented. Yeah, that's the thing is I get he I get the vibe he's just like the next boss in the video game. I don't really see him as the you know, I don't I don't see Joe as the guy they're gonna like I don't I don't think they're gonna put the title on him. I think that they're really happy with Kofi as the champion right now. I just see him as like the next video game boss. I don't I don't and maybe that's just because he's been so up and down booked over the past couple of years in WWE but I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see them putting the title on Joe. And I agree with you. I don't I don't see them putting on the title on Joe, at least not yet. I would have to think that Kofi goes into SummerSlam and maybe even leaves SummerSlam. Well, I guess we'll see how that all shakes out as the champion. Okay. Uh, we're also going to get uh, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss, a rematch here. Nikki Cross beat Bailey on SmackDown to earn Alexa the rematch for this title. Um, I sort of love this. Uh, you know, I kind of like where they're going with Nikki Cross here. She's like a... Uh, like a member of a cult, the cult of bliss. And uh, I, I could see it building. To, I think the fans are going to absolutely love it when Nikki finally smartens up here and, and lays out Alexa. Yeah, I love where this is going to. And I think that Alexa Bliss is one of the best who's doing it right now and amazing on the mic. Uh, it's great to see that she's healthy again and great to see that she's right back in that title picture where I think that she belongs. And yeah. You're right. You're right. From here, if it goes into a feud with Nikki Cross, sign me up. Yeah. And I don't know that you need to get to it right. I mean, I'm getting maybe smack. I mean, I guess you could do it by SummerSlam. Here's something happens. Elimination Chamber. Um, I don't know how much longer you can drag it out, but I, I absolutely think the fans are going to be there for when Nikki uh, finally does, uh, you know, like I said, get smartened up and turn on Alexa. We're also going to get, or we got a tease. I don't know if we're going to get it yet, but Finn Balor could be defending the Intercontinental Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. This was based off a confrontation they had on SmackDown last night. I mean, I, I, I like this. I mean, this is a dream match from five years ago. It just is weird to me that it just kind of feels thrown out there and, and unimportant in the current WWE landscape. Uh, it, it's just nice, though, to see that Shinsuke Nakamura is doing something again, because I feel <laughs> like, you know, he had kind of gone into relative obscurity over the last, you know, little while here. So if uh, this, you're right, this is a dream match. If booked correctly, this could be an amazing uh, beautiful match, uh, and I hope that uh, they build up some sort of storyline around this that makes it as interesting as it should be. Yeah, well, uh, it sounds like we're also going to get Drew Gulak. He's going to defend the Cruiserweight Championship against Tony Nese. Uh, nice defeated, defeated Tozawa on 205 last, Live last night to earn this rematch. Uh, Tozawa, by the way, briefly tweeted, then deleted, I guess, the word done just after midnight. So, you know, take that for what you will, everybody in this WWE. <laughs> Everybody in WWE. I love, you know? But I love these cruiserweight matches, though. Like, they're so, so good, especially the one we saw Stole on the, the weekend. Um, you know, congrats to Drew Gulak for uh, having the championship right now. And if they continue to have these types of matches and let these guys actually wrestle and do what they do best, uh, these will always be the most exciting matches on the card. Yeah, it was funny because I was actually flying back uh, from San Francisco this Sunday, so I was watching – 
uh, the show Stomping Grounds uh, from the airplane on my phone. And oh, I, wow. Okay. And uh, I was like, by the way, good on you, United, for having Wi-Fi capable of letting me do that. Uh, but I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And there were like a couple audible where I was like, oh, and I saw like a couple people look back at me on the flight. I was very into this bout is what I'm saying. I thought it stole the show. So, um, and, and I think that that's going to be that hopefully that's going to continue to be the case with the cruiserweights. Like, just let these guys go. Let them do what they do best. Yeah. Don't put them on the pre-show all the time. Uh, and lastly here, going into extreme rules uh, at Wrestle Votes, which has become a news source. Isn't that is that weird? By the way, since I've never talked to you about this, Chris, like a mysterious Twitter account is like a genuine news source right now in the pro wrestling world. This is the world we live in. Isn't this crazy? It's like, this wild. is the world we live in where anyone can put anything out there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the fact that they're actually putting out credible news, <laughs> I love it. Whoever you may be, wrestle votes. Um, but wrestle at, votes. At wrestle votes. <laughs> uh, wrestle votes reporting Alistair Black after about a month and a half of these uh, darkroom uh, promos uh, challenging somebody to step up and challenge him. Uh, it sounds like his first opponent could be Cesaro. You know, we had saw this bit on SmackDown last night where somebody finally knocked on the door of the, whatever room Black has been in. We didn't see who it was. I'm going to guess we're going to find out here pretty quick. But if it is Cesaro, is this the pairing you want to see? If at WrestleVotes is correct here, good on them. This would be a uh, this would be great pairing. Also, I love that uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet's seemingly just made-up tag team is no longer a thing anymore. Like, I am such not a fan of going, hey, this guy, and hey, this other guy who don't really have anything going on right now, you guys are a tag team. Well, so I love that I love that they're able to do their own thing. Well, it's kind of a battle of two guys like that. Cesaro was the same thing with Sheamus, remember? Like, they were like... But that wasn't a real tag team either. That was like, <laughs> hey, Sheamus, you're not doing anything. Cesaro, you guys are... You figure something out. What do you mean they weren't a real tag team? They had a name? They held the titles... Like several times, yes. you know? they they were they became a real tag team because they're both incredibly talented and great workers that made it work because that was the thing they were given. But I'm saying like they're not like uh, the War Raiders or someone who comes in. They're a solid tag team who dress alike and have move sets together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I got you. They did develop that, but they became a good tag team. And by and by, uh, by the end there, before Sheamus went away with whatever he's dealing with right now, when they were doing the uh, European Gun Runners like red tracksuit outfits, I was like, this is the iteration of the bar I have been waiting for. I want to see more from these guys. And don't get me wrong, like Cesaro and Sheamus are so, so talented that no matter what you gave them, it would be, you know, it would work because that's what the, that's the kind of guys they are. Yeah, well, these two would work very well together. So I hope they I hope this is true. But, you know, continuing the thread here of two guys that have just that were just thrown together as a tag team. Nakamura is going to be taking on Finn Balor here because it sounds like his former Nak America tag team partner, Rusev, which was a real thing. Uh, may not be with the company much longer. The Observer reporting Rusev's WWE contract expires soon. Wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't resign. He's obviously talked publicly on social media about how he's not very happy. Of course, he'd be a, uh, somebody that would generate interest from AEW or even New Japan, Ring of Honor, everybody, if he got free of his contract. We don't know about Lana. Uh, her contract, obviously, if it came up at the same time. You know, you can see him out there as a, a package deal. And uh, of note, uh, also where we're talking Rusev, um, Bulgarian outlet video DIRBG, a source I've never cited here. Uh, <laughs> I like to cite all my sources. I love when unique sources come along. Never heard of these people. Anyway, uh, 
Why didn't you, why didn't you get this interview, Chris? Where was Russo yeah, reaching I, out to you? You know, I should have. And he, he lives not far from here in Orlando, so I, I really should have made this happen. Uh, Rusev said the following about the 2016 U.S. presidential election affecting his push. Let that settle in real fast. He said it's <laughs> <laughs> he said it's true. We keep up, and Vince keeps up with what's going on globally, you know, because the wife's in the administration. And he noticed the tension between Russia and America. How could you not? At the time. And that's when it was decided that I'll go represent Russia and Putin and whatnot, putting Putin in his actual entrance theme for a while there, the video. Uh, but that's things, right. But things changed when Trump was elected the president. He is a WWE Hall of Famer, et cetera. So I- interesting to think that, like, had Trump lost, would Rusev be a huge star? Like, would they have kept on with the push? Or I, I don't know. I thought that was an interesting comment here. Um, I don't know where you want to start with digesting all of the Rusev news there. But, yeah, this guy, you know, maybe he's not going to be with the company much longer. Well, we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with where you started with this. Uh, I think that when anyone's contract is coming to an end now, everyone just immediately goes, A.W. question mark. Right. And I think that if we're to believe what Tony Khan and Cody has said repeatedly, they don't want a lot of the, you know, retreads, if you will, from WWE. Uh, Obviously, Rusev is you know, a, a great talent, but I think that AEW wants to continue to build with their own guys and just have the handful of uh, familiar faces that they currently have on the roster. He would succeed no matter where he goes. Now, is this also possibly a bargaining tactic Maybe. where, you know, he goes, Hey, my contract's going to be up soon. They know that WWE is uh, throwing around some big contracts right now. It's not like he's in a bad place. It's not like he's in a bad spot. Uh, and plus his, Uh, And Lana works there, too. So, you know, if she's under contract for a longer length of time, I would not be surprised at all if Rusev uh, ends up re-signing, you know, a a big contract coming up. I don't know, man. I got PTSD from the whole Moxley thing, you know, and it's like (laughs) the most obvious thing turned out to be the thing, right? They're like, this man is unhappy. He left his job. And then he went and worked at AEW, right? And I don't know why we all overthought this as much as we did. It's so obvious the whole time. Uh, it, it was. You know. Um, uh, a, look, a, at this point, AEW's had one show. Obviously, they'll have one more on, on this weekend. Maybe once they start doing weekly television, this stuff will you know, start to become more of a possibility as injuries happen or travel schedules happen or whatever, you know, end up factoring into this. But for now... They're just, you know, they're running basically one event a month, and they've got plenty of talent to choose from. Uh, well, one talent they don't have to choose from, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting that Jinder Mahal has signed a new five-year deal with WWE. And if I'm Jinder Mahal, I would absolutely take that deal. It sounds like he's going to Oh, man, get, you know? if I'm Jinder Mahal, I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier. That, that, that's a perfect fit for him, too, it especially is. when they do do shows over in India. He's their guy. Yeah. Uh, and I, he's, you know, he's their next great Kali in terms of having that uh, global appeal, even though he's from Toronto and Canada, like I am. Um, but the fact that he represents India is, is amazing. And a five-year deal for him, this is perfect. Uh, and I, I, and I bet you after this five years is done, if he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, he'll be still signed with them in some sort of way as an ambassador or a coach or something. I think Jinder Mahal is WWE for life. And if that's the case, you know, congrats to him. Yeah, I you know I agree. There's there's only so many guys in the roster right now where I'd be like, no, you you probably are in a pretty good spot if you can get a good deal. Jinder Mahal, absolutely there. Uh, I don't know that he would be able to find uh, the the same price elsewhere because, like you mentioned, WWE has investments in Jinder Mahal in different areas, right? Especially building out that India market, other other aspects, that kind of thing. Um, but with Jinder, you've got him here for five years. He's a loyal soldier. 
do what do you do with this guy? I mean, they tried him out on top, and fans did not seem to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, and they've tried him out on the bottom with a three-man band, and uh, I don't know, I don't know how well that worked either. So, why don't you just stay the course with Jinder Mahal? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't does it really, you know? This 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 is obviously part of a much larger question, a much much larger conversation. Is does it matter if you're going to get a, a good contract? Does it matter if you're at the top, if you're at the middle, or if you're on the bottom? You know, like are, you're, you've you've signed on. You're going to be there for X amount of years, whatever your contract happens to be. Does it matter to you if you're going to be on top or not? And I think that if you ask Jinder Mahal, maybe it doesn't matter. You don't care. That guy went and he lived, he lived the indie life for a couple of years after his initial WWE run. And uh, that's right. I think, yeah. I think him a lot like his three MB brethren, Drew McIntyre is like, it is pretty sweet here at the moment. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, <laughs> I don't care if I'm winning or losing. I'm making a lot more money than I was uh, out on the indies. Yeah. And good on him. I mean, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that the champion schedule is actually the toughest no. you need to do that all the time. You're going to get burnt out really quickly. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Bray Wyatt, we got some Bray Wyatt news here. Uh, he tweeted out the following uh, yesterday. This year, I'm going to finish everything. I started so long ago. It's me. It's always been me. Yowie wowie to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've been looking forward to saying. More Firefly Funhouse references were hidden on SmackDown last night. Huskus the Pig was seen in the background of a segment with SmackDown Tag Team Champions Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. And Ramblin' Rabbit was later shown in the background of a segment with Carmella, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, which would lead to our truth uh, exiting a box. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I kind of love uh, the idea of Bray Wyatt going to war with a lot of top baby faces. I think, I, I, I think it's great. I think this is very interesting. It's different. First of all, I just want to say, yowie, wowie, because <laughs> you said it. It's Sounded so fun. It so, is fun. Um, <laughs> I the most exciting. This is certainly one of the most exciting things about WWE programming right now is everything that's going on with Bray Wyatt. I really hope that what he what he has going on here with the Firefly Funhouse translates into what he's doing in the ring. I think that he had one of the best entrances, certainly in recent memory, with uh, you know the lights going out and everyone turning on their uh, phone flashlights. I hope that whatever magic they had with that, whatever magic they have now with the Firefly Funhouse, fun uh, somehow combines together. And this is new and exciting and great all the time because the pr problem often is that we see something that's really cool and we're so excited for it. And then after we've seen it every single week for four and six and 10 and 12 and how many weeks in a row, we go, oh, yeah, I, I can I can miss this one. But if you miss like a Firefly Funhouse right now, you're like, dude, what did I miss? And you got to look it up because it's so exciting and fresh. Yeah. Tale of the tape will be uh, how does this uh, Firefly Funhouse play when they eventually do it in front of a live audience, I'm guessing. right? I don't know if you do it at the top of the ramp or or in the ring, but I got to think that this this gimmick gets pulled out of that reality and and into a, the WWE reality. I, I hope so. And I just hope that this translates into how his matches actually are, because if he I, I I'm, I'm sure we'll see some of the old, you know, Bray Wyatt things that we saw in his uh, older, you know, rendition of this character. But I just hope that whatever's going on now with Firefly Funhouse, it translates into the ring. Uh, well, a couple more notes here uh, before we get to the interviews. Uh, Wrestle votes again. Leading news source. Man. I know. Yeah. Two, two I got to get on there like Wrestle votes. Yeah. Jeez. Two a day. Uh, at Wrestle votes reporting, <laughs> uh, Fox wants Jerry Lawler as one of the co hosts for their upcoming WWE news show on FS1. They think his likeness and voice is familiar to WWE fans, which is something they're very interested in. It's also been bandied about and rumored that Renee Young is probably highly likely to co host the show as well. 
Um, I'm a big Jerry. I mean, look, Jerry's been great to me. I grew up an Andy Kaufman fan. It's it's hard for me to say negative things about Jerry Lawler. Um, but uh, is he the guy you want doing this news show right now? Jerry doesn't really keep up with the product, and I don't really know how strong he would be in this role. Well, maybe maybe if Jerry Lawler got the job, he'd be forced to keep up with the role. He ain't um, going to do that. He's going to take bull- – <laughs> Jerry Lawler is not going to sit and watch Raw and smack out of the pay-per-views. That's not going to happen. They're going to give him bullet points, and he's going to make some laughs, and he's going to do a couple off comments and all that, and that's it. I just don't know You're- that Jerry is the guy for this role, as good as Jerry may be at other things. You are probably right. Um, the bigger thing that I think a lot of you know wrestling fans aren't realizing is how big this move to Fox is. I think for the average wrestling fan, they're going, oh, cool, I'm going to have to watch it on a different channel. But the reality is this is going to be on network television. Like, this is huge. And uh, I, I think that a lot of eyes are going to be on this because of how big this move is. This is network television. This isn't cable television. Mm. Uh, this is available in like every household in America. Uh, there's a lot relying on all the decisions that are going to be made. And I hope that uh, this doesn't impact how the product ends up going. Like I hope the Fox executives don't go, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this, because I'm afraid that, you know, that might be the case. Cause that's what they do with their other Fox pro- uh, properties. Can they put a couple of the family guy writers on the raw team? I mean, there's already 40 writers there anyway. I'm sure they could use a couple of, the, <laughs> a couple of the family. I mean, that would be great. That'd be amazing if that could actually happen, but <laughs> This will end. This will end up making SmackDown the bigger show. I don't care what anyone says. Like yeah. uh, Fox is available in more households than USA. That's just a fact. So there's going to be more potential people watching this. If not immediately over the course of at least a couple months or a year, there's going to be more viewers on SmackDown. SmackDown will in the fall become the main show. Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting Kyle O'Reilly was pulled from the upcoming Evolve events because he is recovering from a staph infection. Now, he should be back to normal in a week or so. He's also missed some time in NXT due to the infection. Uh, He received stitches in his back following the fatal four-way ladder match at TakeOver 25 uh, on June 1st. Those stitches recently developed into the staph infection he's dealing with. Tyler Tyler Breeze is going to replace him on the Evolve shows. Uh, He's going to face AR Fox this Saturday, Anthony Green on Sunday night, and uh, we send uh, our best out to Kyle O'Reilly and, and hope he uh, heals quickly here from that. Uh, the Observer reporting uh, that uh, Will o- oh, wait, no, this isn't reporting. Will Ospreay was on Observer Radio. Good get, by the way, Dave. Um, Will Ospreay was commenting on the Twitter feud he's having with Seth Rollins. He said, I think the thing is, maybe it just gets under his skin that, like, my championship, my junior championship, means more than his universal championship. I don't know. Who knows? It is factual. What do you think of the, of Seth Rollins, the way he's carrying himself right now on Twitter? Yeah, wow. It feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, is, yeah. is he taking, like, a uh, you know a page out of Becky's book and going, huh, you've been trolling a lot of people on Twitter. I'm going to do the same. Um, what I think so interesting about this Will Ospreay and Seth Rollins thing is, didn't Will Ospreay only tweet the words, I'm alive? Yeah. And then it turned into this entire, like, crazy feud. All he tweeted was, I'm alive. Like this whole thing is because of that. I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't think this is a good look for Seth. Honestly, oh, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I, just, I, it's weird. I don't get it. I, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad look. It's certainly interesting. Um, he's definitely making. I love Will Osprey, but he's making Will Osprey relevant to your you know your WWE fans who you know. I think there's a big difference between being a wrestling fan and being a WWE fan. Now a whole bunch of WWE fans now know who Will Ospreay is. So look, I think it's if you're Will Ospreay, 
this is awesome. This is great. And, you know, if you're Seth Rollins, it's like, what's the value in this? Like, what what's the point in doing this? What's your end game here? I don't understand why. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and lastly, here in our news block, uh, some good news here out of Preston City Wrestling. They announced uh, over the week or in the last 24 hours on social media that WWE is going to allow some of their talents to work the tribute show that they're doing for Lionheart Adrian uh, McCallum, who, uh, of course, uh, passed away a couple days ago uh, at a very young age of about 36, I believe. Uh, so this is great. This remi- I, I shades of, you know, the Brian Pillman's uh, memorial uh, in the 90s that right. WWE allowed a lot of talent to do. So just just a nice, nice thing that I think WWE did here. And they should you know, we should mention that, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love when that type of stuff happens. And uh, it does show that, you know, for all the negative things that people might say about WWE. My guess at this time is heart. the former ROH World Television Champion. But he is now going to face Matt Taven for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship at Ring of Honor's Best in the World on June 28th. It is Jeff Cobb. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'll start off here. We'll get to the ROH World Title shot, but you are, of course, like I said, the former World Television Champion in Ring of Honor. How do you feel about losing that title in a match where you didn't get pinned or submitted? Um, I, I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, when you're in a in a four way scramble like that, I mean, anything can happen, and it definitely did happen. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the outcome I predicted, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't get pinned or submitted. So I feel like I didn't lose um, my my Ring of Honor television championship. So, uh, I mean, I mean, do I go after it? or? But, I mean, I already made claims that I want the, the Ring of Honor heavyweight uh, championship. So I guess uh, uh, it, I'm going to put that on the side for now. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, that was my follow-up question there is, you know, like you said, you, you feel that is your ROH World Television Championship, um, but you didn't accept, you didn't you didn't push for a rematch immediately with Shane Taylor. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, why you didn't choose to immediately go for that rematch? Um, I think it was, um, you know, I've, I've done almost everything. I, I mean, I didn't do as much as I wanted. I mean, I got to take the Ring of Honor Television Championship to different countries. Yeah. Uh, I believe I did about seven different countries while I was running our television champion, defending it um, in Paris and England and in Japan. And um, I, I mean, I feel like my goal was I was going to bring the ring of honor television championship in a, and try to have a match with the ring of honor heavyweight champion. Um, kind of like a, like a Hulk Hogan ultimate warrior deal. Sure. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, that was my goal. Um, I, I, I was aiming for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship after after my reign with the Television Championship. So I guess uh, after I, I lost it, um, I mean I can't I didn't want to go get sidetracked. I mean, I just wanted to focus on doing my my goal was and that was the Heavyweight Championship. Okay, and you know with Shane Taylor here, um, you know you guys had a, a blowaway bout. I thought at 17th anniversary, uh, you know he picked up the win here for the title. I mean you've gotten to work with this guy a little bit now. What do you make of Shane Taylor? Has he impressed you? Uh, yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, moves well in the ring. Uh, hits very hard. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a good uh, television champion. And, um, you know, he'll hold it as long as um, I allow him to, I guess. Okay, fair enough. Now, uh, you are going for the ROH World title, best in the world. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you were able to turn a loss uh, of the TV title into a big title opportunity here at best in the world. 
Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like I, I want my goal was to have a TV title versus heavyweight uh, title match. Um, unfortunately, that didn't pan out. And, you know, like I said, I had, I mean, as soon as I signed my Ring of Honor contract, my goal was to be the best. And that the best is the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. So, okay. you know, I get my shot in uh, June 28th and at, uh, at Ring of Honor in Baltimore and at the suite pay-per-view that uh, gets a headline and you know that that's my goal and that's my mission right now what do you uh what do you think of matt taven as the current ring of honor champion you know there's a lot of pretty vocal fans online that don't seem to enjoy him on the top of the card of the company at the moment well i mean i just uh he he's got it for a reason you know what i'm saying like they like no joe blow is going to come out of the woodworks and just win win the world heavyweight championship of the company uh, company as big as big as Ring of Honor, so um, I'm definitely not taking him lightly. And I guess, I mean, to the to the group of fans or the bunch of fans, or I guess it's the majority of fans or whatever. But to the fans online that don't like him as a champion, like I just tell them, don't don't worry. Two weeks time, uh, it'll it'll be on a different shoulder. Okay, no, and that's the thing is, you know, like you say, it almost feels like a majority of fans that have those complaints about Taven. You know, if if when you're able to take this ROH World Championship, do you think the pro wrestling fans and really the pro wrestling universe as a whole would be more receptive to you on top of the card and might, you know, even shift the needle a bit here for Ring of Honor business-wise? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, every, I mean, you're always going to have... Uh, naysayers and negative nancy's on especially online um you know everybody everybody and their mom's an armchair booker so um i think uh i mean i i think it'll give a different perspective or different audience to, to tune in especially me being from hawaii uh you know i think more people are tuning are tuning in from hawaii uh they don't have ring of honor on tv out there but they do have the honor club subscription so and um, as far as I know, there's been a bunch of people that I know have gotten it just because of a, a, a local kid from Hawaii is now on Ring of Honor. So I think it'll draw more fans in and, uh, you know, hopefully one day uh, we'll get to have Ring of Honor airing out in Hawaii. Yeah. Now, do you feel a little bit maybe at a disadvantage in this match due to the fact that Taven, you know, he has his backup in the kingdom and it seems like you're going to be walking into this one solo? Uh, I mean, you know, three on one are never good odds. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my, in my abilities. I'm confident in, in the referee doing his job, whether uh, whoever the ref may be. And I, I fully feel like uh, the Ring of Honor brass should see this. Like every match they get involved, so hopefully they'll just be like, "Hey, listen, let's just have a one on one straight up match and see who wins." Yeah. Do you, have you uh, entertained the idea of joining any one of the uh, mini stables I feel like exists in Ring of Honor at the moment? I mean, could you see yourself like uh, with anybody, or would you like to remain on your own? Um, I'm, I don't necessarily say I don't play well with others, but um, I I like to focus on myself. And um, I mean, it's always good to have backup, uh, especially going in. But um, you know, I I mean, I like the Lifeblood crew. They're always there are there are a bunch of great talented individuals. So, um, you know, give me one of them little rags. I'll I'll, I'll be in lifeblood. 
Just wondering. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you about another Ring of Honor story that got a lot of buzz on the site recently, uh, and that was there was this kind of uh, incident, I guess, between Bully Ray and a fan. Now, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this or not, but like, you know, what did you make of this situation, and you know, kind of how fans should or should not be behaving at, at shows? Um, I don't. I'm a little torn on that um, on that topic, uh, just for the fact that like I, I know the fan and. You know, I've hung out with him a few times at PWG, and he's always at PWG shows, and he lives in Oregon. So uh, I, I've interacted with him a few times. He's never been disrespectful or anything like that towards myself or from what I've heard from other performers. So, I mean, uh, like on, on one token, you know, I I don't know where this is. I don't know where – because I, I wasn't involved personally, mm-hmm. and I didn't see it firsthand. So I, I don't know. Like usually – I take one story and I take the other person's story and it's somewhere, usually somewhere in the middle, um, for my, for my experiences. So, you know, I, I try not to judge too much on that. Um, on that same token too, as, as fans, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, like you pay your money so you can, you can pretty much do and say what you want, but I feel there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a point. Like, like I definitely don't feel you have the right, to sit in the audience and call somebody, uh, you know, derogatory names based on their age, sex, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should, you should be able. I mean, I think you should definitely be able to say what you want to an extent. Um, and then at the at the same token, um, for people in the ring, you know, you're gonna, you should expect stuff to be said to you. So I, I mean. I don't know. It's just a mess all all around. Now, now you've worked with Bully here for a while. I mean, like, what are your interactions with Bully like? Were you surprised to hear a story like this? Um, yes, because um, he's never been confrontational with me unless he wants to punch me in the face um, sure. in the ring. Um, you know, I like to I like to feel like we're, uh. I guess, quote unquote, behind the scenes, um, everybody's professional until you get in the ring and just want to take someone's head off. So, I mean, he's never, he's always been very professional with me. Um, so it, it does kind of, it does kind of, uh, surprise me to hear that just for the fact that like, the tone of the show, I didn't really hear or feel anything different until the next day, um, when it blew up on, on, uh, social media. So I, I yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Do you think it's fair to say that fans that act this way maybe should be escorted out of security, maybe not the best idea to bring a fan in the back and confront them one-on-one over or something they said? I feel that it might be better that way just for the, like, you know, because at that point, you know, it's all, it's all he said, he said, or he said, she said from that point on, whether you, whoever you bring backstage. I, I personally, I feel backstage is only should be for talent and crew um i don't think anybody outside of that genre should be backstage uh per se but you know um and then i yeah i just feel like you know if you bring somebody backstage for whatever reason then it then you just open up a whole new can of worms because now you know especially the the story was he was brought in this in a in a space with nobody else around so then then accusations start coming up and all that so you you know you don't know because it's only it's pretty much up to the two people who were involved so yeah like i i definitely think bringing somebody backstage especially if there's no like witnesses or whatnot then it did kind of put yourself in a weird predicament yeah 
Well, you know, you're doing such a great job right now, Jeff. Like I said, you know, the fans really uh, behind you at the moment. I feel like Ring of Honor, you guys are doing some really blow away, especially the pay-per-views have been great. You know, wrestling is so vibrant right now outside of WWE, which has really kind of been the biggest platform. Do you find yourself encountering more wrestlers at the moment who don't see that as the ultimate goal and would kind of prefer to be doing the sort of work that you're doing at the moment? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I want to say maybe as little as ten, maybe five, ten years ago, like WWE was the end-all, be-all. Um, I know personally for me, like when I when I moved to, um, I guess, the mainland from uh, from Hawaii, like, you know, WWE was definitely the end-all, be-all go for myself. Um, and then flash forward a few years, just like the boom in the, in the independent scene and the boom overseas and the boom in Japan and all these other big companies popping up, like like Ring of Honor's doing great work, Impact's doing great work, uh, MLW's doing great work, and now All Elite Wrestling popped up and they're doing great work as well. So it's like, you you have options now, and and it's definitely uh, I feel like it's a great time to be a professional wrestler, especially if you're putting in the work and and you're grinding it out there and all that. I mean, it's like you know the cream rises to the top. So eventually, I I feel like there's there's going to be places for everybody to work and make a good living. Now there was that big explosive Moxley interview he did with Jericho, right, where he described you know the the hell landscape of WWE creatively. How how is uh how is it work with Ring of Honor? Like how is your relationship with creative and management and do you feel listened to, I guess is what I'm I'm asking. Oh yeah, definitely. Um they're very receptive on on feedback from what talent's perspective is. Like um usually if we have a promo, they're they're not going over verbatim word for word what I need to say because that's definitely not the way not the way I would say something or absurd promo. So they'll give the like I'll get a text message like the day before or something, and then it'll just be like, "Hey, this is the the gist of the promo. Let's hit these bullet points." All right, all right, cool. And then they trust they trust the talent in where we can get it get the point across in the way we would deliver a certain line or a promo. Mm-hmm. So and I I feel that's great. Um, and there's always an open door policy there. Like if you have a question, concern, or whatnot, they're they're more than helpful to listen to, which is I think is is wonderful. Like there's not 45 people or 45 steps I have to get through to get to get my question answered. It's pretty much like we're so and so over there. Okay, well, can I talk to him? And then we're good to go. So, okay. you know, you brought up uh, the the launch of AEW. Uh, you know, they've got Moxley. He's got the IWGP United States Championship. We just saw Jericho going up against Okada for their top title. Um, how do you feel Ring of Honor's relationship with New Japan has been affected, if if at all, by the launch of AEW? Um, I don't think there's too many, uh, like, I don't think it's affected the relationship, like, at all, really. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, um, I mean, I don't necessarily think a lot of crossover is good. Then you kind of lose who you are as a company. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, you know, like the, every so often somebody will come here some like, like that I can do like in, in small amounts and in small right times and amounts. And I think that's a good thing. Um, like I, we haven't really crossed over with anybody. The only companies we really cross over with are like CMLL and new Japan. So, I mean, like for us, that's our, that's who we are. Is we're connected with those two companies. So I think 
we have a good identity in 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 that okay. per se. I was uh, I'm a little surprised here. You, you say you CMLL New Japan, but you guys also have, to the best of my knowledge, a relationship with the NWA. Like, how do you feel about that relationship? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I didn't mean to leave them out. Like, yeah. uh, like it's great to have them around. Like, especially um, like when uh, Nick Aldis comes around with that giant ten pounds of gold, and you know, definitely, you know, something's going to happen. Business picking up, and I think that's a good, um, like, especially over the years, how like the. I think there was a bad stigmatism with NWA a few years ago and like they tried so hard to, you know, cause NWA is a rich history and whatnot. And nice. And every wrestling person should know the history of the NWA. Cause it's, it's, it's lineage, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and to have that company come, uh, come around and, you know, do a little cross promotioning with us and it's not overdone and it's, it's just the right amount. So, um, you know, this, this stew that we're cooking, I think it, it's going to, it tastes really good. Okay. Good. Great. Great metaphor. Uh, all right. I will wrap up. I want to take, uh, take us back here real quickly. Madison square garden. What was it like for you? You had the big title versus title match with Will Ospreay. Uh, what was that like for you? I, I fly for one. My, me personally, I was very, um, I was trying to hide it, but I was very uh, overwhelmed and very nervous uh, just for the fact that, like, we opened the show. Uh, that, I mean, you know, there was a there was a women's match and then there was a there was a battle royal, but right. on the main card we were the the opening match myself and Will Ospreay, Oof. and like you know when you, when you buy the pay per view or whatnot and you tune in and that's the first match you see coming out, I'm like oh my goodness, like. It's very nerve wracking, but it was very surreal um, to have the first uh, title match slash title change in Madison Square Garden, not by a WWE event, is is very it's it's a, it's a huge honor, and it was, yeah, uh, I, I tried to take everything in, and I couldn't. <laughs> it's tough, man. I was there in that building. I felt that aura, man. I felt good for you and Will too, getting to see you guys do your thing. You know, I also. Got to spend some uh, time with you the day before that. I watched you throw down at Matt Taven's Arm Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I've been told you got a little bit of the arm wrestling bug. Have you have you chased this dragon anymore? Are you is still interested in arm wrestling? No, I think uh, I'm, I'm more of a in the moment kind of guy. So, uh, like at the time, I was like, oh man, I got to arm wrestle. You know, I got a big match. I got to warm. You know, I want to stretch. I want to mentally prepare. But then. They threw me in this arm wrestling thing, and it, it was it was pretty fun. It was really, it got pretty competitive. Yeah. Uh, then I think uh, I, I think I'm going to leave that to the uh, the experts. Good. All right. Good. I'm glad to hear that because the last thing I want you doing is breaking your arm and costing yourself time in the ring. Uh, but you certainly fit the bill, dude. You're a big, strong dude. I'm sure you could throw down at the tables. Um, I'm I'm better at suplexing a whole person instead of an arm. So. Mm. I'm going to keep it up, that. Fair enough. Uh, well, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Again, uh, you are going to take on Matt Taven, June 28th, Ring of Honors, best in the world for the ROH World, oh, Heavy- hey. world Heavyweight Championship. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview? Um, no, just you know, just continue following myself and, and Ring of Honor and the Honor Club. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep doing our thing and and just wowing fans all over the world. My guest at this time was the promoter of StarCast 1 and 2. He's going to be returning to Chicago for StarCast 3 from August 29th to September 1st. It is Conrad Thompson. Conrad, welcome back to the Winkley. 
Hey, man. Thanks for having me, dude. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Yeah, no problem. You know, I could list all the podcast stuff, too, but everybody, you know, I got to condense your intro to just like the, the, the relevant points at this point, you know? <laughs> it's nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Thank well, you, sir. Well, I got to ask, Conrad, you know, you are, how many, you're doing what, five podcasts a week right now? No, I'm just doing the four. Four? You know, okay. we, uh, Arn Anderson announced that we're going to be doing one, but we haven't uh, announced a rollout date just yet. So for now, just the four, but I'm managing, you know, it's not, it's not all that difficult. You just uh, record on the weekends or late at night and you're good to go. Okay, cool. And, and the, the stress of that and also like running a giant mortgage company and also still being in the live events uh, producer side of things. I mean, how, how do you physically and mentally hold up with all this stuff you're doing right now? Poorly. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, how do you, what's, what's your stress relievers? How do you, how do you keep everything, everything balanced? Uh, you know, I don't really have any right now. You know, it's just uh, go from the minute you wake up till you go to bed, but uh, we'll get through it and live to fight another day. You know, the, the old cliche is uh, if you enjoy your work and every work a day in your life or something like that. So we'll go with that one. Okay. Um, well, let's talk a bit about Starcast 2 here. Um, you know, for you, Starcast 2, what are, what are your reflections looking back on the event? What are your biggest takeaways from this time around? I'm glad it's over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why? You know, and I don't want to get into it because, you know, I know we text off the air and stuff, but you were you were hitting some pretty high blood pressure numbers and stress levels this last time around. Is that, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, you know, we just, uh, you know, it happens anytime you, you know, try to put on an event. You know, you, you get some curveballs, but we powered through. But it was a stressful weekend, but, uh, you know, we, we made it. We lived. Yeah. So there you go. We even got a cool T-shirt out of the deal. <laughs> you got a couple of cool T-shirts, a couple of cool panels out of it too. You know, do you consider? I mean, do you consider Starcast two? Was this a success for you? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we had you know another thirteen thousand fans who had a blast and uh, overwhelming positive feedback, and you know it was uh, it was it was fun to be able to say that that we did it in Las Vegas. Now, did you? Now you took a you know interesting. You took a gamble here. Now, did you walk away? Up, down on on the Starcast deal. I feel like that's the question everybody wants me to ask you right now. It's like, were you were you profitable with with Starcast too? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a business person. and I've been for a long time, so you know, you just uh, prepare accordingly. Man, okay, good to hear. First of all, second of all, like, were even you surprised? Because I know you were you were laying out some pretty big numbers to me about what you know was getting thrown at you. Were you surprised by how much more expensive it was to promote a show in Vegas as opposed to? Hoffman Estates? Oh, for sure. You know, the the difference is the Vegas unions. You know, it's a, it's a substantial difference. But, you know, we were prepared for it. And uh, I hope everybody in Vegas had fun because that's very difficult to imagine doing another one. Okay. I was a little surprised, based on how high I felt your stress levels were here for StarCast 2, that you were so quick to announce a StarCast 3. Was this always in the plans once you decided to do a second one? Yeah. I mean, we had such a good time in Chicago last year. I wanted to do it again, you know, and especially with a venue that we're familiar with and a staff that we're familiar with. And no, we're, we're, we're as excited about Starcast three as ever before. Man, this is so, I mean, like again, Conrad, I was a little worried with some of the, uh, with some of the text and stuff there, but that's, that's great to hear. So you are fully, by the way, I think there's somebody talking in the background right now. I hear, I hear a voice in the distance. Yeah, that's going to be the case. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, are you are you empowered by this uh, momentum right now, or do you feel like maybe Starcast Three would be the final hurrah for you? 
Well, you know, I said that the first one would be the last one, and here I am doing a third one. So I can't say, you know, I want to be the boy that cried wolf. But this is the last one we have planned. I'll say that. Okay. And I know you kind of teased at maybe doing stuff with StarCast outside of just the AEW universe. Is there any other kind of ideas you have about, you know, companies or events you would uh, be interested in pairing this with? No. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's, uh, you know, it's the Conrad and Cody show, and, and I appreciate his faith and confidence in me, but... You know, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm opposed to, um, you know, figuring out how to do other stuff. But, uh, no, I mean, we want to we want to be partners with AEW on that for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so you guys already announced Dean Malenko for StarCast 3. Big name. Mick Foley, I believe, also already announced for StarCast 3. Is it harder to get guys like Mick who are tied to WWE now for this event, considering what happened last time with uh, guys like Taker and, and Angle getting pulled? No, no, I'm not, I'm not cross with WWE or anybody. We have a great relationship. Okay. And so with that, you know, what other big names or concepts do you still have on your bucket list here that you have? I mean, I feel like you've done so many things at this point. Like, where, where do you go from here? Well, that is the challenge. You know, you, you, you do your first one and it's your all your best ideas and the ones that uh, can't happen logistically for whatever reason. You, you just shelve and I roll those out for two. So it was a little bit of, hey, back to the drawing board for three. But we've got a, a whole list of panels and, and shows that we're excited to announce in the coming days that's very cool man and you know the big uh, i feel like you know of course the the biggest headache the biggest heartbreak people had was what happened with rick here i mean how how is rick holding up right now uh since he's been out of the hospital oh great you know i mean uh, he's gone public now that you know what what the situations were and the circumstances were and now that he's got the right combination, he's good to go, man. He's loving life. Okay. I mean, do you? what do you think about his decision to love life as vibrantly as it sounds like he's going to? You know, that's a very stark reaction than many other people in his position, I feel, would have. I wouldn't expect anything less from him. You know, this is a guy whose catchphrase was limousine riding, wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing. I mean, you, you rattle all that long enough, and it, it becomes just your, your credo and your mantra for life. Yeah. I mean, and so with that said, I mean, it seems like he is on the mend. You're coming back here to Chicago. You've talked about rescheduling the roast of Ric Flair. Uh, have you given any thought to bringing it here to Chicago this time around? Now, for whatever reason, you know, the timing never works out with uh, Chicago. It didn't the first time. You know, he's uh, already got another appearance already lined up that was pre-committed that weekend. So we won't be able to make it happen there. So uh, the roast will happen sometime in the future. But unfortunately, it, it won't be coming to Chicago. Okay. Well, you know, when that when Rick went down and you were no longer able to do the roast, I wondered if you wouldn't have picked another wrestler to possibly roast it at Starcast. Was that ever anything you, you considered? No, just because no matter who you slide in that spot, it feels like uh, second place. It feels like a consolation prize. It feels less than, I didn't think it would be fair to the talent and it wouldn't be fair to the performers, you know, to do such on, you know, four or five days notice, you know, and, and to properly promote it, you would need more time than that. So, we just shelved the idea, and, and we'll we'll revisit it again. Yeah, well, you you had a great group of comedians out this year at Starcast. I actually went to uh, the Ron Funches uh, uh, stand-up night. I think it was either the first or second night where he had a, a bunch of great guys in there, and I know a lot of them came in to do the Ric Flair roast because they read us their material during that set, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, how different is it with you working with these comedians as opposed to the wrestlers on these events? Oh, great. The super fans, and they're just as excited to be there as I am. So 
couldn't be easier. Can't say enough nice things about those guys, whether it's Dan or Mike or Taylor, or any of those guys. Just tremendous. Did you get to chat with Paul Walter Hauser at all? He was my favorite super fan that was walking around, you know? I did. I got to catch up with him in the green room, I think, on uh, either Saturday or Sunday. Great guys. First time I've actually met him, but he talks a lot on social media, and it was cool to actually put, you know, the faces and names together yeah very cool man i mean that's got to feel nice for you you know you do these events and you see all these people that come out and somebody you know of his level to come out and just be amongst the fans that's that's got to rub you the right way oh absolutely it's uh it's pretty cool that you know they dig our event and want to come check it out and it's a great compliment so the other one of the other big stories coming out of the weekend was the jericho panel right now you've talked a bit about this already you guys have both kind of given your sides of what happened here but just to lay it out i mean what happened here with the Jericho panel and, and the cardboard cutout event that, that came about the Sunday morning after? Jericho sent a uh, text on Friday morning saying that he wasn't, or Friday afternoon, whatever time it was, Friday, saying that he wasn't going to be able to uh, make it and listed off his uh, reason and explanation as to why. And, you know, we kind of went back and forth. And then in the end, you know, he sent a video for us to play, but we weren't able to play that video until Sunday morning. And one of the production guys thought, Hey, we've got this cardboard cutout. Why don't we just set that up there and put that on the feed for fight? That'll be funny. And that was really as far as it got, you know, we were throwing a curveball Friday and called an audible, you know, as best we could, but obviously that's so late in the game that we couldn't necessarily replace it. And, um, uh, the video was time sensitive. We'll say that. Yeah. So I couldn't air it until Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you, you because you had the video, you already kind of knew some of what was going to happen at Double or Nothing. Like, what was your reaction to getting it confirmed that Moxley was going to be here and seeing his debut play out at, at Double or Nothing? Well, that wasn't necessarily addressed in the video, but, you know, I, I got my ear to the ground over there, and, and, and I was just as excited as everybody else. You know, it's one thing to hear about it. That's another thing to see it. And, you know, it's rare that there's a real surprise these days, and that one certainly felt authentic. And, I'm excited for the next one. No, that's right. It was the Kenny Omega beatdown that was included in the video. I got my I got my facts mixed figured there for a moment. Yeah, man. Like overall, like what were your biggest takeaways from from Double or Nothing? What did, what did you think of the show? I thought the Dustin and Cody match was tremendous. You know, right. I thought top to bottom probably the best card of the year, at least you know in my book, certainly the best one I've attended. And uh, I thought that match really stole the show and. I'm excited to see what's next for the Bucks and the Lucha Bros, and I think everybody's talking about Mox. So uh, when you've got that much buzz coming out of it, you know that's that's a heck of a way to get your promotion your promotion started. Yeah, man, and like you know, you're like a historian. I always like talking to you because you are like a dude who knows the history of the business so well. I mean, what other characters does this kind of Moxley moment remind you of? I mean, is it you know everybody can point to the Monday Night War, but I feel like there's other times in history and characters that are a bit more reminiscent of, of Moxley here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really do feel like it's brand new. You know, he certainly put his own twist on things. And as far as, you know, comparing it to someone jumping ship, I really can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual character is uh, a fresh take. And um, I'm excited to see. I mean, he's clearly a very creative guy and, uh, you know, he's excited to have uh, a clean slate. And that's what's fun. It's it's no longer paint by numbers where you know what to expect. Now you don't know what to expect, and that's half the fun. What did you did you get a chance to check out his uh, IWGP US title match with Juice Robinson? I did. I didn't miss that. Couldn't <sighs> wait to watch it. Uh, really glad for his success, and obviously excited for Juice too. I mean, a total total redo from what we saw from those guys in another promotion for years and years. So 
just tremendous. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, obviously you're like so high up in the podcast business at this point. You know, there was this other podcast Jericho did with Moxley that was like a blistering look at, at Vince and the creative. I mean, what did you make of all of these comments that he had uh, for Chris? I mean, I can't say it's a surprise. I think most folks expected it, that that was the case and that it would shake out, you know, that it was spot on exactly what we all sort of suspected but to see here somebody on the inside sort of confirm it uh i think is what had the entire internet sort of reeling like wow it's as bad as we thought it is and that's you know from a performer's standpoint i'm sure a lot of people in the company would disagree but those are probably office folks that's probably a fair sentiment among the boys and it got everybody talking that's for sure yeah Uh, but folks are still going to be excited you know to take a look at the opportunity to work there because it was their childhood dream and you know, there's there's phases, and um, you know, I just think this will be this will wind up being a a, a different era. You know, the, whether it's the Attitude Era or the PG Era or whatever, maybe we're headed for a new era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and what do you, do you think the WWE will make any changes in response to what they're seeing with AEW, or do you predict it'll be business as usual here? No, I, I don't think there'll be any significant changes. I think they're just gonna paint by numbers until something changes internally whatever that is and you know their business is stronger than ever financially so if that's what you're ruling your business by is the checkbook i don't know that we'll see major significant changes i could be wrong yeah i mean what do you think about like well what do you i'll take two things here i'll ask you about what do you think of the return of the hardcore title aka the 24 7 championship you know we talked about that a lot on social media this week i uh, i think it's a fun uh, it's added a fun element to the show. I mean, I understand a lot of people don't like the design of it, but the actual concept of it and that it's giving new life um, to characters who maybe don't normally get a lot of TV time, I think is great. And then, you know, the idea that it sort of lives on social media is tremendous. A real great innovation. I really like it. Okay. And what do you uh, what do you think about Firefly Funhouse and the really dark places this thing has started to go? I love it. You know, I was not down on it like a lot of folks were when they first saw it. I thought, let's just see it and let it play out. And when we got the muscle man dance, I thought that was tremendous. And yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of really cool moments with it. And uh, I think Bray is one of the more underutilized talents. And now that he's got sort of a fresh coat of paint and, uh, you know, a new leash on life, I'm excited, man. I, th- I think it's going to be cool to see where he can go with this. How would you transition him uh, back into an in-ring character? You know, that's hard for me to say. I don't I don't sort of armchair quarterback or fantasy book it, but okay. uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it, you know, and, and whoever his first opponent is, that's going to probably tell the story of, of where the WWE sees him. So I'm excited to see who he hooks it up with first and, and what the result of that is. If it's, if it's more quote-unquote 50-50, I think a lot of people will be disappointed. But if this becomes a renewed push, man, that could be really entertaining. I know you don't armchair quarterback. That's why I'm asking you this stuff because you never do it. Um, you know, Undertaker was another big name that had tied to a StarCast story. Obviously, him and Angle got pulled. But, you know, he, he got pulled, in a sense, back to WWE. They made him this big offer, and he got to go do the Super Show or the Super Showdown match with Goldberg. What do, you, what do you think about this bout and all the criticism fans seems to have for these two coming out of it? I don't know what they expected really differently. I mean, obviously the guys are disappointed in the match and, and Goldberg's taking the brunt of that. And, you know, it's disappointing for fans who had a different expectation. But, you know, everybody made money and everybody's, for the most part, seems like they're okay. So sure. uh, those guys, after all they've done, they deserve uh, a pass. They deserve... Um, uh, a little bit of leeway from us. I mean, if Undertaker hasn't earned a pass, who has? Yeah. 
Uh, I'll wrap it up here. I wanted to ask you about your newest post, your newest podcast, Grilling Jr. Uh, Jim Ross, one of my favorite people in the entire pro wrestling business. Uh, how has launching this show differed from other podcasts that you've you've done up to now? Well, almost without exception, I was I was starting from a new. You know, Bruce Richard wasn't doing anything, and neither was Tony Schiavone, and this was sort of their first foray into it. You know, now I'm doing one with the host of a weekly, you know, television show on TNT. So. Um, you know, he already had a podcast, he already had some steam and obviously he's got, you know, a big space in the business. So, uh, the downloads came a lot faster, you know, we set records in week one and it's continued to grow from there. So we weren't starting from absolute scratch. So I like having a head start. That's what we have with JR. What kind of insight from Jim has surprised you the most? Uh, how honest he is. Uh, it, it was really surprising to me how, um, you know, he'll just own stuff and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sometimes Eric and, and Bruce want to dig their heels in and defend, and that's not been the case with JR. JR will just say, ah, oh, that really sucked. And that's refreshing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. He uh, He's never backed down from the decisions he made. Have you had a, Have you had much of his uh, JR's barbecue line? Have you tried everything? Uh, of course. I mean, it's it's an you're obligated to when you go into business with Jr. A boxer shows up at your house. Uh, I what is well? What's your personal favorite Jim Ross barbecue item? I think the uh, the chipotle ketchup is pretty good, and I think the jerky is underrated. Yeah, jerky's good. I have some of the chipotle ketchup. I I just finished my main event mustard up. I need to get more. Uh, that stuff's like crack. You put that on a Hawaiian roll with some guac and a burger, you're in heaven. That's all you need. Oh, I gotta try that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your advice as a fat guy. I gotta trust you. I'm gonna do it. I mean, do a nice little pepper jack, couple strips of bacon on that sucker, and I'm I'm telling you, my girlfriend and I eat like one of these a week because they're so freaking good. So. I love it. Great you, idea. Yeah, there you go. That one's for you, Jim. Cheap plug for all of your uh, awesome barbecue stuff. Uh, anyway, Conrad, I, I just wanted to thank you for the time. It's always nice to catch up with you after these StarCast events and, and hear where your headspace is at. Very excited for StarCast 3. You'll be here in my backyard of Chicago. Uh, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap this one up? No, that's it, man. You know, we, uh, we're offering bundles starting uh, Wednesday night uh, at 7 p.m. Central. You'll be able to not only snag your StarCast bracelet, but all-out tickets as well. So you can get your all-out tickets secured before they're even on sale at StarCast.com Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. Chris, I couldn't thank you enough for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Uh, you're doing some awesome work. It was wonderful talking, uh, wrestling with you. I hope to have you back here down the road. You know, uh, and I'll see you this weekend. We're both gonna be at Fighter Fest, so maybe we can. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And Nick, thank you so much for having me on. This was this was a a really nice thing to do today, and uh, I love talking about wrestling. So who better to do it with than you? Hey, you know, we we try to ride with the best here at the Winkley. So uh, welcome to the party. We're gonna have a good time. Uh, And if you like the party, you want to support the party. You want to do? Uh, you want to buy the uh, proverbial red cup at our party? Go over to our iTunes page, Wrestling Inc. Audio. Leave a nice comment, five star ratings. Always appreciated. Uh, like I just said, there will be at Fighter Fest this week, and alongside Chris, uh, be sure to keep an eye on the site uh, all Saturday for our uh, coverage from the show. Of course, we'll have live coverage on the site. We're even going to do a post show over on our YouTube channel, so go watch that as well. Uh, we're also going to be covering Best in the World this Friday on the site. Uh, Saturday afternoon, we'll have the results up for New Japan Pro Wrestling's Australia show in Melbourne. Big weekend for wrestling. Uh, tomorrow on the Winkly, uh, I will be joined by none other than former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. He will be my Chris Van Vliet tomorrow. Uh, and also on the show, you're going to hear from Colby Carino and Ian Riccoboni, two other great new interviews for the show. Uh, and if this isn't enough, you want to see me, you want to see Raj Geary, the owner of the site, in video form, 
Download the Ringside Wrestling app. It is free to download this Friday, 2 p.m. Central. And every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, Winkly TV goes up on Ringside Wrestling. That's the place to check it out. Chris, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the Winkly for today? Well, first, I want to say thank you again for having me on. This no has problem. been awesome. Uh, I am Chris Van Vliet on all social media. That's Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, my YouTube channel. And now now the Chris Van Vliet Show is the podcast. So uh, for anyone who's ever, like, even watched 30 seconds of one of my interviews, um, thank you so much. I mean, I'm a fan just like you, Nick, just like anybody who's listening to this. And it's awesome that this cool thing called pro wrestling unites us all together there it is what a what i almost like want i want to put like american undertones underneath it like you know we are the world yeah, yes, thank you <laughs> there it is that's what i needed you're wonderful chris you're all wonderful for listening thank you very much for tuning in i am at wink rebel over on twitter and remember if you winked you didn't miss it